0: The last bastion of positivity. I know it. There's something good that's come out of the last week.
1: Yeah, my friend Joe at Joe Diego 24 pointed out today that we've come out the window with our top assist maker still in place and that didn't look like it was going to happen and having signed a player that's taken us to pieces three times or or perhaps even more than that, a, a proven premiership player of, of great quality who may have the characteristics to go on to become a United legend I'm having to borrow someone else's positivity this week because mine has all been focused on the kind of football doesn't really matter that much end of the spectrum rather than there's much good to say about the football itself.
0: Yes, well, so l- let's kick off with the transfer market. Might as well get all that out of the way because it's, uh, it's been somewhat bizarre in the last week and somewhat bizarre over the last sort of eight weeks or so, I suppose. But United did sign two players. You know, in fact, one was a Swiss Ghanaian right back who's 17 and we won't see for a few years. And, and the other was Maran Fellaini for £27.5 million.
1: Or the price that we bid three weeks ago for him and Leighton Baines. The thing about though, the final transfer fee, some discussion about whether it was actually 27 or whether it was 23 and the player himself paid £4 million, If effectively sacrificed a £4 million worth of loyalty payments from Everton uh, by handing in a transfer request. So Everton inflated the announced fee by including that amount on the books. Yeah,
0: Everton denied this, and of course, uh, <laughs> I don't think I've seen a stock market announcement about this, but I suppose at some point it will be actually in United's filing, so the quarterly filing, so we'll know for sure, but no, I think that's complete rubbish. It was one of those rumours that went around just simply not true. Yeah. So, yeah, United paid £27.5 million. Pounds. They had it- <laughs> just let that sink in lads i know they had agreed 24 million pounds which is ridiculous in itself given that the opening bid was 16 million and that's about what he's worth i suppose if that so yeah, they'd agreed £24 million, but because Wigan were somewhat intransigent over the departure of James McCarthy and uh, Everton had to pay more there, Everton passed the entire extra cost on to United. So at the very last minute, with about 15 minutes to go in the transfer window, uh, United end up stumping uh, £3.5 million extra for £4 million over the price they could have had him not four weeks ago.
1: I've seen a few people, you know, there's been so much back and forth amongst fans and infighting and stuff about this all, but I've seen a few people go, how can you quibble over a few million quid if he's the player we need? And it's like, not really quibbling with his actual valuation. I'm quibbling with the way in which the amount of money we have paid for him is directly related to the staggering level of incompetence and poor planning we have displayed all the way through this pathetic excuse for a transfer window yeah no quite look I agree with you
0: I mean there's that old saying it may or may not have been said by Matt Busby but money in a bank I'd uh, rather see it on the pitch in the end it doesn't matter that much and it shouldn't really matter to fans whether United spent five million or 50 million on Fellaini if he's the right player now I happen to think he's not the right player on his own look we need numbers there and we need and he's a proven international although yeah not first choice in his own position in the Belgian team I might add but, you know, there's an extra number body there. He's an experienced player. He is proven in the Premier League. And so, you know, it's hard It's hard to quibble with that. There's an extra player there. That's good. But but the way United went about it and the fact that they've missed out on that other player, the stellar player, is going to have a big effect, I think. But look, Fellaini's only one of the complete and utter cockups this summer. Yeah? Would you like to go through the rest of them? Because there's a lot. Maybe we'll take it chronologically. Thiago. That was pretty embarrassing. We we really, really want this player. Please, Barcelona, will you sell him to us? Thiago, would you like to come to United? Mm, I'll think about it. Now, let me just go and talk to Pep Guardiola's brother about that one and see if he recommends it. (laughs) And did he in the end? Funnily enough, Pep Guardiola's brother did not recommend it uh, amongst uh, Thiago's management team there. And uh, off Thiago went to Bayern Munich no, you couldn't really blame the lad, could you? You know, European champions, uh, his mentor, his manager there. Uh, but United got played uh, significantly, and not the first time this summer. And and you come to realise, and this is desperate times when you come to realise this, that David Gill managed to navigate the transfer market in a fairly sane fashion, didn't he? I mean, he had, he's one of the most connected men in European football, and, and those connections paid off. Now, he's a duplicitous bastard, and I don't want us to start pretending he was some kind of god or anything... <laughs> But, you know, old capable hands was actually capable in comparison to Ed Woodward.
1: I mean yeah so that's Thiago out of the way a complete catastrophe I I mean in some ways if it had ended there I would have felt fairly I wouldn't have felt particularly bad towards the club because that one as soon as Guardiola said yeah I'm interested in the player that one was all over oh you, you want to go play for the European champions where your mentor is their manager now oh <laughs> alright then I think most people are going to do that so that one that one I feel like is fair enough then comes Well, for me, I have to say, even with all the stuff we're going to come to about the comedy disaster of the final day, the absolute nadir of this transfer window, the fruitless and bizarre, lengthy, public, disgracefully humiliating chasing of a player who spent years trying to get a move to his boyhood dream club where he now is plying his trade.
0: Mm. Well, United got played massively. So look, the timing was bizarre that one. The, f- the opening bid, which was 26 million euros, <laughs> uh, which you know, let's let's Less be honest, is pathetic. Is pathetic for Cesc Fabregas. What what was the point? So even if he was transferable, which we now know he wasn't, even if he was, that was pathetic. And But it came 24 hours after Fabregas' understudy had just left Barcelona, you know. Do you think Barcelona might have been in the mind to let him go? You know, clearly not. And Fabregas played United. He used United's interest to, to leverage the new management and the club and make sure that he was one of the key players at the club and it was known and he got the assurances he wanted. And it is so blatant and it was pretty obvious straight away, let's be honest. And, and sure, behind the scenes, I'm sure that United got noises that in some fashion he was interested. But there was quite a substantial amount of lay people who really don't know about these things, but could guess and can see a scam when there's, you know, they see one. They could guess that that wasn't very real.
1: I mean, it's one of those things where you look at it happening and go, well, they must know something we don't, right? You know, there's one of two things going on here. A mind-boggling level of incompetence, or they know something we don't know. Sadly, it would appear very clear which one of those two things it was.
0: Yes, Ed Woodward knows nothing, no. Um, So, okay, so Thiago and Fabregas, it was getting pretty embarrassing by this rate, but, you know, Ed Woodward, who dashed home from Australia for urgent transfer business, uh, still on the boat somewhere, I believe.
1: Apollo Tires does not sign himself.
0: this is true. So off we go to, to move on to Plan B, which appears... To be. I, I mean, there was some, quite some gap in between uh, plans A and B falling and plan C and D being uh, you know, enacted, which was uh, Fellaini and uh, Ander Herrera. And United took some time to get moving on this one. But finally, in the last week of the transfer window, attempted to seal a deal for Ander Herrera. We'll come on to that one. And a little bit before that, had made a couple of bids for Fellaini and Leighton Baines as a joint package, which was pretty odd. The £28 million bid being labelled, uh, what was it, insulting and derisory. Apparently is also a description for the size of my penis, according to Twitter. But in reality, the big unit, as I like to call him, <laughs> Marouan Fellaini, yeah, 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 did not arrive at United in July uh, because that bid wasn't acceptable, and and that valued Fellaini at 16 million and Leighton Baines at 12 million. I think we said that was probably the wrong way round. It just irked Everton, and there's all sorts of games played in the transfer market. But what you generally haven't seen United doing is insulting the clubs that they're trying to work with
1: and i think that you know there was a lot made of the fact that everton came out publicly and said that that was an insulting and derisory figure but given that they eventually ended up having to pay 27 million more than 20 just almost that amount half a million less than that amount for one of the two players just shows you by how what a staggering amount united missed the valuation for And what's really most extraordinary about this... I I kind of... if, If Woodward and Moyes combined have a disastrous time trying to negotiate with Barcelona, you can put that down to inexperience at negotiating at the top level of transfers. But when it comes to negotiating with Everton, how they are not negotiating from a position of informational strength is just beyond me. I mean, the fact that I basically assume that there's more to the release clause story than we know with fellaini that that it's not as clear-cut as he just had a 23 million pound release clause in his contract to get out you know if you bought him by a certain point and then that clause expired
0: there wasn't a lot of secrecy here, though, Paul. No. Everton were quite open about it. Everyone knew about it. It's £23.5 million and it expired on July 31st. It opened on the day of the transfer window, which was this year, 20th of May. The, the transfer window opens the day after the season finishes. Yeah. And uh, and expired on July 31st, so Everton would have time to replace the player. And, and they said all along that uh, they would not be selling him on the cheap if no one buys him before the, the release clause expired. Why would they? Why would they? And, and the fact that no one bought him for £23.5 million pounds tells you the market did not value Marouane Fellaini at £23.5 million. Pounds.
1: Absolutely. And it also tells you that there's one of two things going on. Either Moyes didn't particularly want to have to sign Fellaini, which I suspect is not the case. I think Moyes probably very much wants Fellaini as part of his squad or this notion that there was somehow an unlimited sum of money to pay f- play with is just complete dreamland stuff, not, you know, balderdash and piffle, <laughs> as I ended up describing something on Twitter the other day. It, because, right, either he doesn't, he doesn't want him, he's not going to pay the money, he's going to try and buy other players instead, or United, he can't spend that money on Fellaini before that thing goes ahead, because then he won't be able to afford his real targets
0: Look, so I spoke to a couple of people at the end of the last transfer window last summer and uh, I, I can't remember whether I talked about this on the pod but I was certainly talking to some people on Twitter about this that the assumption was that there was not a lot of cash available after the Van Persie deal because his wages are so high, gross near enough £10 million a season and a £24 million pound fee uh, and the Glazers in their budgeting uh, add wages and fees together and United's wages have been going up substantially you know, new Rooney deal and deals for all the young players and all of that right so that was that was what i'd spoken to someone about about a year ago and and this summer uh, someone else said this on twitter and i retweeted it and mark ogden from the telegraph came back straight away and said this is nonsense because of course united had been giving it the big i am and and so i'm half-minded to believe that there actually wasn't a lot of money in the transfer pot this time around despite all the noises coming out I said only half-minded to believe because, you know, actually I I think in reality they were prepared to spend some money but they were so incompetent. But, you know, I'm half-minded to believe that perhaps there wasn't a lot of money as well and they were hoping to negotiate the Fellaini fee down. You know, it's interesting, because I wonder whether some of this isn't isn't Edward Wood's experience and mindset, because when he's trying to do a deal uh, in his previous role as, as head of United's commercial operations, everybody wants to come to United. They, they are beating down the door to sign deals with United. You know, he's selling, of course, but it's, it's his market. United are in a position of strength. In the transfer market right now, United aren't really, because not only are, are there other illustrious clubs around Europe by Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, but there are also a whole bunch of extremely wealthy clubs out there, so Chelsea, Manchester City, Paris Saint Germain, Monaco. It used to be Anzi Makalakalakala until they you know went belly up. And and so United now are not the preeminent peers in the market, right? So it's challenging and it's a whole different dynamic and I wonder whether Woodward has found that rather difficult.
1: Absolutely and and I think also Moyes has come from a culture where th- this was I believe James Richardson said this on the, the Guardian podcast that Moyes comes from Everton where everyone that they're negotiating with knows that they don't have very much money to spend and so when Everton offer an amount of money and say this is the most we can go to the selling club knows that while well, there's probably some wiggle room in that there is not that much wiggle room in that they are dealing with very limited finances. But with United, ultimately, if you hold out, if they want your player enough at the last minute, they can come and immensely overpay for not the very top level of talent. They've done it time and again in recent seasons.
0: Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, of course, Moyes wasn't intimately involved in a lot of the transfer negotiations. It has uh, tended to be Woodward uh, and, and some of the other team. But, you know, hey, you know, maybe that has played into it as well. Anyway, look, we've we've gone off track a little bit. So there was Fellaini, Baines, Thiago and Fabregas. And uh, that all rumbled on during the summer until we came into the last week of the transfer window. And, uh, and, and we flipped to uh, Ander Herrera, which uh, United have actually been watching for some time. And I remember talking about him when... Bilbao smashed United a couple of seasons ago. He's been absolutely excellent in La Liga, mostly in a defensive role have to say, you know, he he plays in a kind of deep role. He's very, very neat and tidy in possession. He likes to tackle. Uh, he's kind of all-rounder in midfield. And, and you know, personally, I was quite excited about the thought of uh, acquiring him because I, I think he would have done the exact opposite that Fellaini would have done. He would have made United tick over nicely, pass, move. He's got a short passing game. He's, he's, he's not necessarily too safe with his passing, but he's very, very accurate with it whereas Fellaini is going to be something completely different in the middle of the park so I was quite excited about it you know I've seen the, seen the guy play a lot of times thought yeah very high quality player a bit expensive mind you at 36 million Um, uh, uh, but you know if United are prepared to pay that which it seems like it is then then that's great but of course United were not prepared to pay the buyout clause even though the world and his dog knows that Bilbao because they have a tiny pool of talent they can pick from do not sell unless they have to I mean this is they did exactly the same with Llorente and they did exactly the same same with having martinez they do not sell unless they're forced to
1: the real crime with Herrera was trying to do a deal with bilbao in what looked like a week because it can't be done if, if he was plan b and fabregas
0: and tiago plan a or you know a b and c why wasn't it done much much earlier
1: even if united were prepared to pay that buyout clause they still probably would have needed more than a week to get it done because of the tax complexities and the legal complexities of Spanish buyout clauses, right? They are not, it is not a straightforward matter. You don't just bung 36 million and then that's it.
0: Yeah, well, you do if you're a Spanish club, but yeah, of course, if you're a foreign club, it's very different. But but we do have examples now, you know, there is precedent set And, and the, the really infuriating part appears to be that United did not get the appropriate legal advice they just didn't so you know they're going into the last week trying to force through a transfer this bizarre situation where uh, United on the collapse of the deal uh, on Monday briefing that uh, imposters had tried to go to the uh, La Liga headquarters to deposit the money and actually they'd pulled out because they couldn't negotiate when it seems to be that these were not imposters they were were in fact lawyers who had acted on behalf of Bilbao and Bayern Munich uh, in the transfer of Javi Martinez last year and were there very much on United's instructions and in fact United just massively cocked up you know and so they, they've taken the lesser of two evils and, and tried to look cheap rather than incompetent
1: whereas in fact they are very clearly both yeah indeed <laughs> um which is a dangerous combination in the transfer market and you know okay so these are these are I guess the, the Herrera thing I think I was I was very excited by the signing and actually massively massively more excited by the idea of signing Herrera and Fellaini than either of them on their own Because I think, actually, Fellaini adds very much needed options to United's tactical, he adds tactical options, right? He, he's dis, he's much more destructive than anyone we've got in the midfield at the moment, which I think is a very good thing. And, you know, against Liverpool, it would have been absolutely brilliant to have Fellaini there in the last 10 minutes, running around, you know, pushing people out the way and headering stuff.
0: The, the option he adds in the last 10 minutes is, <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, but, but
0: is, that, is that good? You know, I, one, one of the resounding successes of Ferguson's reign is that he he's built team after team that's patient. In the last 10 minutes yeah Right, do right don't don't start launching it and and you wonder whether having Fellaini there will mean United do start launching it and I, I say that because you know think about England when Peter Crouch plays they played long ball football every single time and I know this is England and you know United is different and all of that but but the temptation will be there
1: no I agree I have long said that Peter Crouch is a much better footballer than the teams he's in allow him to be I don't mean good feet for a big man I'm not saying that but he just goes around ruining teams because midfielders see him out the corner of their eye and get over excited that's you know they're like oh if I just kick it that way he'll definitely get it look at the size of him but I don't think Fellaini's quite like that but anyway I, I mean I think you know Fellaini running around terrorising defences is not a bad thing I think having Fellaini in the side's great and I, I think he's a, a very important addition and, and potentially I'm going to be reasonably optimistic about him in general uh, but but yeah uh, not nearly as much as if we'd signed and a ball-playing midfielder as well.
0: Well, look, we had that conversation before, you know, and I'd feel much more comfortable about it as well. I mean, you know, I've seen people say he could be United's Jari Yartore. He's not as talented no, as nowhere near. You know, He's nowhere near as talented. Maybe he'll develop. Maybe he's a, he's a player that will go up a level at United. Maybe. I mean, he is 25. He's 26 soon. So um, you'd think he's pretty much the completed package. And, and I don't know whether you read the Belgo Foot website but I I, I can't say I often do I I just happen to follow him on Twitter and he posted a link to an interview he'd done a while back and and in fact an interview he'd done in 2008 as well and said very similar things on both occasions which you know this is a player who's who's not technically gifted by any means but you know he will score goals and he does like a tackle and an elbow
1: yeah and and I think the other thing uh, just to stick on Fellaini for a second He'll, I think Fellaini will win us some games. But there is also the very real possibility that he'll lose us some games. Because he's going to do stuff and get himself sent off and all that kind of thing. And the spotlight is so much brighter if you play at United than if you play at Everton. Imagine! If he was playing at United when he punched, elbowed and headbutted Shawcross in the same game. Mm. You know, the level of media negativity and all that kind of stuff.
0: So, so my real worry is, is this, you know, he gives the ball away a lot. Yeah, It's between you know a fifth and a quarter of the time that he has the ball that he gives it away, which is a significant amount. He's untidy in possession and he's been untidy in possession for quite some time uh, at Everton. So not just when they used him up front and launched long balls at him. And so that's the major worry. I think the risk is not that he really elbows people, you know, and maybe he'll do that. But the risk is that United gives away the ball too cheaply. And it's not a risk that's a big factor in the Premier League, but it most certainly is against top-quality European oppo- opposition. And that's where it's going to become a problem. And there will be a goal that United and It may well be a crucial goal where Fellaini has given the ball away in the wrong position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there will be a goal, and it may well be a crucial goal, where he scores a last-minute header from a rubbing Van Persie corner. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad acquisition. Obviously, it was expensive. I, As you say, money on the pitch, not in the bank. Much rather see the money spent on players. My problem with the expense of Fellaini is not that it was too much, but that it was unnecessary and reflects United's you know, overall incompetence. We haven't even touched on David Moyes accidentally saying that he bid for Gareth Bale. <laughs>
0: Yeah, which was a really bizarre one, and we talked about that one on the pod. Quite clearly, he should have just said no. Uh, in fact, there's a, a brilliant story in not rounds. I have no idea if it's true. It seems preposterous that, that uh, Real Madrid uh, basically offered Bale a very, very multi-million pound bonus if United did not make an official bid, and, and the way United would not make an official bid is if Bale's people told them very clearly it would never be accepted. There's no way that he's going to United ever, right? Which I'm quite clear, I'm quite sure they did do that. That was really bizarre of David Moyes. I don't know why he did that you know I suspect he just got kind of trapped in you know this mentality that he's not going to answer a question in a straight manner
1: yeah and also trapped in the mentality that we're the big boys on campus when it comes to transfers this summer and we're in for Ronaldo you know the, the, the fact that the papers are constantly running with stories about how we're in for Ronaldo I'm sure a lot of that is just the kind of slightly false logic that says it's the sort of thing we might be into but also there must have been some briefing from somewhere about all that Mm, right. and the 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 bail thing—a story did the rounds on transfer deadline day. Again, this may well not, but this may well be apocryphal—that Ryan Giggs had been on the phone to Luka Modric to try and persuade him to send Bale to 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 make sure that Bale knew that somehow he was still wanted at United. It Seems completely insane. So there's that—the the the kind of bail thing, the Ronaldo thing, the fact that Arsenal have signed Meza Özil and United were apparently offered him but balked at the the price. What what do you think of that? It's very clear that he is not, in inverted commas, the player we need
0: no no I mean he, he was a couple of years ago and, and of course you know I, I fell out with plenty of people by arguing that United should have pulled out the stops to, to do that deal uh, two years ago or three years ago in fact yeah, so look um, I think he's one of those players when he's valuable you just buy him right yeah you fit him in the side one one of the things that is interesting about Ozil and, and we did talk about this is that he's very good from out to in he does play in the way that a number of Moises uses a number of creative players uh, albeit I, I wouldn't exactly trust Ozil to cover his fullback and Defend in a, in a straight four-four-two when he needs to. But, you know, he, he puts up the numbers. He puts up incredible numbers, you know, goals and assists, and he moves players out of position all the time with his movement. Uh, Ferguson called him the ghost, didn't he, three years ago? And he, he loved him so much, really tried hard to get him, but finances weren't there. So I think United, if he's available, you go get him. And I think Arsenal um, have had such a massive boost uh, from that transfer that he's going to carry into the season. Remember, Arsenal were being talked about in the same way that United are now for some bizarre bidding during the summer uh, and very little activity and on on the final day they pulled out this massive morale boosting transfer and it's completely changed the nature of their season. I think it'll have a major impact on that club.
1: Absolutely, I do not think it's. Un- Arsenal have still got massive problems, and you know he doesn't does not suddenly make their goalkeeper and defenders work properly. But not he will paper over cracks absolutely. I and mean, Van Persie didn't make our central midfield be okay, but we walked the league. Because you just give him the ball and he scores goals. And Ozil is in the class, The uh, this is one of my least favourite expressions in the world, I can't believe I'm using it. But he is a game changer, not just on an individual game basis, but he changes the complete dynamic of Arsenal. They've mm. become, a. Their Arsenal are a different club today than they were four days ago.
0: So remember when I said a little while ago, Fellaini's not a game changer. Now, I don't mean individual games. I mean exactly the way you meant it in that latter one. He he didn't change the nature of United's squad. He didn't up United level urzil on the other hand has done that for arsenal he has upped them a level i'm sure of that and you know it's a fantastic transfer yes it's a massive amount of money yes they've probably overpaid given that real madrid got him for you know a fifth of what of what arsenal have paid but you know he's going to make a big difference and now that Giroud is scoring arsenal are going to score plenty of goals this season might leak quite a few too mind you but they're going to score plenty of goals
1: and the, the thing is I don't think there can be very many Real Madrid fans who think they've upgraded their squad over the summer by getting in bail and shipping out Ozil no they're very upset I, I mean yeah so anyway that that transfer I, I I think ultimately you could look at it and say big powerful destructive tenacious midfielder more what's missing from United than supremely gifted number 10 but but there's a class issue there's a, a there's just a difference in quality and mm. I keep going back to this point ultimately I'm very pleased that we've got Fellaini I do think he serves a really useful purpose in United squad and he's obviously got the relationship with Moyes and all that kind of stuff and there's there's lots of positives about signing Fellaini but we've been saying all the way through the transfer window well you in particular have said What's gonna? Whenever we've speculated on what's gonna happen, you've said, "I think we're not." I think what's gonna happen is that we're gonna end up overspending on mediocrity. And I think whilst you know Fellaini's probably a level above mediocrity, he's not. Nobody in their right mind would describe him as in the elite of world football, right? No, right. So anyway,
0: look, I, I said that Mesut Ozil's nickname was the ghost. Uh, it is apparently great story in red issue this month's red issue. Uh, the nickname that United players have given Ed Woodward because they never see him. <laughs> Nice little touch there. And look, you know, if we, if we think the first couple of months of the transfer window were embarrassing, it's nothing, nothing compared to the final day. And we've discussed the complete mess that was there and a Herrera deal. But there were about six other deals United <laughs> tried to put together on the final day. Fellaini, we know, Baines rejected. Bid twice at 15 million. You know, four bids for Baines this summer. 12 million, 12 million, 15 million and 15 million. Work that one out. The
1: thing, the thing that, that's wrong there is the bids don't go up. What you think is when the bids rejected, you put another one in that's bigger if you want the player.
0: Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. But but they added some magic beans as well. Ah,
1: right, right, right. They would offered to play a friendly against Everton, right? Like in Football Manager.
0: Really horrible piece this is, but apparently, apparently, in the heat of the negotiations for Fellaini uh, on Monday night, and it's getting down to the wire. United offered to forego the remaining monies that were due on Darren Gibson. Do you know how much they were? No. £200,000.
1: Bargain. <laughs> cheap at half the price.
0: Yeah, about four days pay for Wayne Rooney. So, anyway, uh, the other big deal that United tried to put together on the final day was for Sami Kadira. What the hell was that about? Really odd. Facts over a €40 million, euro, €34 million pound bid. Uh, or emailed over I, I just say facts Because I just assume They use the facts, You know <laughs> maybe, maybe they've got around To email I, I, I don't know It's Ed Woodward He probably snapchatted it Didn't he He yeah, did He's all into Branding and social media Type stuff You know
1: They just Instagrammed A picture of A uh, written offer. Uh, no Of like You know how people Instagram like uh, iPad notebook Notepad thing The yellow yes. Thing with the lines That's what they did Yeah We, we will offer you Just the letter yeah. U 34 million For Kadira Brackets lols Yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, in, in Comic Sans type.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What the hell was that bit about? And why didn't that piece of paper say Luka Modric on it instead of Sami Khedira?
0: It's, it's very odd. And uh, I think it's very much about they had a very long list. I think, I think there was a calculation here that Real Madrid had just spent 100 million euros on Gareth Bale and and they wanted to make some or a significant amount of that back. And of course, they also spent uh, 30 odd million on Isco and another 20 something million on Ilarengi. And so they spent a huge amount of money at Real Madrid and needed to get some money back. And the calculation is they're going to sell players. And I think everyone knew that Di Maria and Ozil were definitely available. No one said that Kadira was available. He's actually probably quite important given that Alonso is injured at the moment. But uh, yeah, they tried to put that together. Of course, they were shot down far too late. No negotiations took place. Uh, really, really bizarre. And it just gives the impression that United had uh, no real strategy or plan here. And on the final day, when they hadn't got the players they wanted, just desperately faxed everyone possible. It used to be Tottenham's strategy. They seem to have gotten an awful lot smarter this summer.
1: Yeah, they have, and and many, many people recommending that United put in a a late cheeky bid for Daniel Levy in the transfer market, which I'm sure would have been a, a good move. Although, man, did he throw Gareth Bale under the bus? It's just like, we took the view that the player would not be committed enough. We had no intention of selling him, brackets, even though we've already spent all the money we're totally going to get for him.
0: Yes, they they were definitely buying buying players on the tick. Imagine that hadn't worked out, that transfer. There's a a very large bill to pay to (laughs) Wonga.com at the end of September.
1: Yeah, Papi Cissé would have uh, not approved of that. It's always sad to see Papi in in the Wonga shirt now, after after all that. But anyway, not the last of United's uh, transfer deadline day disasters. Comical bid for Herrera. Comical claim that imposters are walking around uh, in our, our place. A, a joke of a bid for Kadira. And then uh, we didn't get the paperwork right for Contrao. Now, apparently, this is all Real Madrid's fault. Which I could kind of accept if we weren't trying to do the deal at midnight on transfer deadline day. So, so of course, it is
0: partly Real Madrid's fault because they delayed because they were attempting to get Guilherme Sequeira. But Granada, the secunda B... Team uh, eventually loaned him out to Benfica, and so when the deal to Benfica happened, and Sakaera was apparently in Portugal doing the deal when United put the bid in for Coen Trau, the Real Madrid couldn't send Kehrer out because they need two left backs anyway. You know, this was all a bit odd anyway at the time because of course Kehrer's full international cost Real Madrid some thirty million euros a couple of seasons ago. Very, very talented left back. I think not as good as ever, and not as good as Baines. You know, personally, can play in some other positions, but I have to say, I think he's pretty dodgy in midfield. Field. but it seemed a little a little odd because full internationally'd be expected to play and uh, it kind of looked for a moment that ever might be on the way out but the deal wasn't done paperwork wasn't signed in time
1: there's a left midfielder, by sorry, who would cover the left back. You know, and you play both of them, I think, Everett and Cohen Trout. You could play them both in the same side.
0: Well, you could, but wouldn't you be playing a left back on the left wing? I mean, you know, it's, it's in most cases, a left back on the left wing looks like a left back on the left wing. Granted, I said this about Gareth Bale, not three or four years ago, and he, he rather proved me wrong on that one, But but I think that he's the exception.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I I got very excited about that bid for a second just because it it was announced as done. You know, it wasn't announced as speculative. Well,
0: don't get me wrong. If he'd come... It would have been a very strong competition for a place, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just gave me the impression that, the, I mean, in fact, the whole summer has given me the impression that Moyes, for some reason, doesn't rate everyone. He's just come off the back of a very, very good season. He was United's best player at Anfield by quite some distance. and We, we will come on to talking about some football at some point. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's still got a lot to give. Uh, and wouldn't it be better for United to get in a young player rather than a player on loan or a, a, an older player?
1: Well, I think the very real possibility exists that Evra's just going to keel over one day because of the amount of football he's played in the last five years. It's insane the amount of football he's played. And and so to get very top level cover for Evra seems like a really good idea. And the fact that the Cointrao deal was a loan instead of a, you know, a full time transfer, you think a permanent deal. There's something about that that just felt sort of right really
0: yeah so i'm um, you know I'm not that bothered about it although of course united managed to cock it up by not doing it much much earlier and and, and i think the problem was that uh, they kept bidding for baines even on the last day of the transfer window even though it was blatantly obvious that everton were not prepared to sell whereas they were prepared to sell fellaini
1: Absolutely, and and it was just like the Fabregas deal. It was the same. It was like looking at it from the outside in, not being an expert by any stretch of the imagination, being an enthusiastic amateur, looking at it, going, "This isn't going to work. This is clearly, blatantly distracting time, resources, energy, attention away from a more viable plan B." Exactly the same thing with the Fabregas transfer and the Baines mm. transfer. And I'm sure we have forgotten some of the catastrophes of this summer.
0: Let's talk about Daniele De Rossi and United's attempt, (laughs) it seems, to get the man on loan.
1: The, the most loyal footballer in the history of football
0: <laughs> yeah not only loyal to Roma although though, there were rumours that he'd be prepared to leave um, earlier in the summer and, and Roma were prepared to do a deal but but very loyal to his family who um, so says Tancredi Palmieri
1: well known reliable super source
0: likes a tweet or two so says he that the the player is not prepared to leave behind his family he's divorced and uh, there's difficulties with his child and stuff like that so anyway you know it's uh, it It was an open secret and United put the bid in anyway, knowing that uh, it would surely fail.
1: Yep so ultimately the positive that you asked for three quarters of an hour ago when we started talking about this is that United retain all their key players. Uh, Some people see it as a tremendous positive that we haven't lost Nani in the transfer window. I think that depends entirely on which Nani we've kept. You know we we have not shipped out hardly any of the dead weight from the squad. Nobody could find a buyer for Makeda. Bebe's gone on loan but don't do any harm either way really you know.
0: No, he doesn't earn very much. And, and uh, you yeah, know, Makeda is dead weight. He's going to play the season in, in the reserves. He's 22 years old, you know. So basically just a waste of his and United's time, isn't he? Anderson's still in the squad. I don't think Moyes rates him at all. So I, I suppose that's a blessing uh, in a way. But he's dead weight there. And, and Nani, well. Look, maybe we'll get the nanny back that we we all uh, we would like to know, but we don't get often enough. You know, if he plays on the right side of an attacking three or an attacking four, he could come good again. You know, it's all about confidence with him and he needs to play regularly and he needs to play on that right side. And then and then he's, you know, he's got plenty to give. He could put up the numbers. He's always going to be frustrating, but he could put up up sort of 15 goals and 15 assists a season. And that's that's very good
1: yeah and the of course the talking of putting up the numbers the the one player that we all thought that the well not all of us but many of us thought the season would be carrying on without uh he he was swayed by the the sheer love and adoration of the Stretford end I know that's not true Wayne Rooney is staying and that's a huge risk I mean I think ultimately you probably say well that's a good thing for United that that when the transfer window closes Rooney's still there A lot of people have been saying, yes, for all the disaster of it, we've got a player in who's the type of player we badly needed, and we've kept Wayne Rooney, so it's not that bad a transfer window. But I really don't think it's that cut and dried that keeping Wayne Rooney is definitely entirely a positive. I think there's many positive aspects for it, but it's risky because he could cause a lot of problems this season. I've seen so many United like best 11s uh, doing the rounds on Twitter, which have Rooney either on the right or the left. I don't think he's going to feel that that's United's best 11 somehow.
0: No, and it'll be interesting to see what his reaction is, you know, and uh, if that happens. And it could well do, because uh, Moyes does like to use uh, players in, you know, sort of attacking out-to-in players in, in those wise areas. So he could end up playing left. Uh, we'll see. And yeah, I, I agree, he's a massive risk, Wayne Rooney. You know, uh, on, on a personal level, I don't like, I don't just don't like the man and uh, after twice really working very hard to get out of the club I know it's just a job for him but he didn't even want the job Uh, and so you know there's the fan part of me that says I don't really want him at United and be quite happy if he went but of course you know loads and loads of talent and let's hope he applies it on the pitch we'll see I think it's almost impossible that we can get the best out of Wayne Rooney given that he wanted to go.
1: Another player that we've kept who's talk of leaving, I think much more of a simple positive that we've kept him, Chicharito. Although he did tweet slightly passive-aggressively today. Tweeting one of those terrible fact accounts saying something along the lines of people who are too nice are more likely to be taken advantage of. Bit passive-aggressive there, Javier. A little bit clear who you mean.
0: Interesting yeah so I mean he's got to get himself fit and then let's hope he gets some games but it's going to be really tough for him because Moyes has painted himself into a corner with Rooney he's going to have to play Rooney isn't he and and Van Persie's undroppable and and Welbeck started the season pretty well I think so uh, it's hard to say that uh, Hernandez is going to get a lot of games this season.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, he was responsible for one of the very few highlights in the dreadful game against Liverpool, which we've managed to avoid talking about for quite a long time. But a lovely through ball for Van Persie right, right near the end of that game. Just beautiful mm. waiting. And, and he really has improved his all-round game. And he's, you know, he's a huge asset to United. So I hope they can find a way to keep him happy.
0: So I want to round off our, our talk about the summer's transfer shenanigans but with this question. So given everything that's happened since the end of last season, do you think United are net better or not? So Ferguson's gone replaced by Moyes, Gill has gone replaced by Woodward, and we've brought in Fellaini and a couple of youngsters. Are United net better now?
1: Well, I mean, there's definitely no under those parameters. I mean, but that's let's just concentrate on the playing staff for a second. I think the playing staff are definitely net better because Paul Sculls was I mean in terms of the level of sheer talent and brilliance losing Paul Sculls was massive but you know we lost him a couple of years ago and then he had a little you know uh, Indian summer right at the end there but generally speaking we'd lost Sculls a while ago so if you don't count his loss then yeah the playing staff's improved because we've not lost anyone and we've brought players in but Ferguson going there is no way I mean even if we had signed Fabregas and I mean we sign Cristiano Ronaldo then it gets a bit closer but you know unless we'd sign Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi I don't think there's any way we could have been net better at the start of this season what do you think
0: I think the new man came in and United absolutely had to do absolutely everything to give him all the resources he needed. And I think we're going to find out that Ferguson was worth quite a lot of points this season uh, and United had to use this summer uh, from a position of strength, if you want to call it that, having won the Premier League, but with a massive transition to make sure the new man had all the tools he needed. And I think any chief executive worth his salt would have realised that. Uh, And I think in the end, it will cost United this season. You know, know, I don't like to be doom and gloom but i I predicted before all the desperate shenanigans of the last two weeks came into play that united would finish third and i think that's about right now chelsea and city do have weaknesses too i think city are looking pretty good actually i think pellegrini's got them into a nice unit quite quickly although they did have that disastrous game at cardiff chelsea have got some problems in that they don't have a proper striker and you can't really call fernando torres that and bizarrely they've let lukaku go which is really really odd because why would you do that um andre Schell is a midfielder, played up front, don't think it's his position at all and they brought Eto in and who knows what he's been up to in the last two years in Russia.
1: Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that was one of the weirdest transfers of all on on deadline day and phenomenal for Everton and I think really good for the player as well, great for the player that he doesn't end up having to play second fiddle to Fernando Torres and he's going to probably play more or less every game isn't he and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 15-20 goals.
0: Well, you know, Everton got to congratulate themselves. They Got Lukaku in, very good. Got Barry in, you know, he's got his critics, but I think the experience there will, will uh, be good for Everton in the middle of the park. James McCarthy's very good, very, very good player. Might struggle to justify £13 million, but, you know, still very, very, very good player. And managed to get £6 million for Victor Anishabi. You what?
1: That's actual cash real money. I,
0: I think so. I think it's not Monopoly money.
1: Yeah, crazy. I mean, I, I think a phenomenal transfer window for Everton. They're probably about net the same on the pitch and, and d- doing well financially out of all of those dealings. Oh, and actually probably net better, right, with uh, Lukaku. But yeah, the, the question of whether United are, are net better or not, uh, as you say, they... In some ways, up to today, we've suffered more from the loss of David Gill than the loss of Ferguson, except that that I think that our transfer dealings are lessened by Ferguson because, obviously, coming to play for United is still extremely prestigious, but, it, no, but people don't know whether David Moyes is going to be a fantastic United manager. All the people out there listening to this podcast right now completely and utterly convinced and certain that David Moyes is going to lead Manchester United to a, sustained period of success based on his characteristics as a manager I am pleased that you believe that I, I don't know how you think that with any certainty because ten years of experience running Everton does not prove that you can manage Manchester United, and coming to play for Ferguson is incredibly attractive to players all around the world, right? That's like an honour and a privilege and a once-in-a-lifetime chance to play with the best ever, or you know. So we've we lost out on that, and you know, David Gill sold the club down the river massively, but he was very good at transfers, you know, very good at all that stuff. And and Woodward, you said it when when we talked about this, you you. You said the, this very thing on this podcast last season that that it's going to it's a huge gamble putting Woodward in that role because to give a non football person that job. I've seen lots of people saying, "Is this a structural problem? Do we need a director of football?" And essentially, he's behaving as a director of football would in the transfer market, except without any experience of being a football man.
0: Yeah, and no, I think it's come to to pass a, that's a, that's a big error uh, in United's part. You know maybe he'll turn out to be a brilliant executive he's certainly done very impressive things in the commercial market who else would be able to get united's players to drink a can of tomato juice and talk japanese for money but uh woodward he's done uh, wonders there but uh, in the actual business of playing the transfer market he's completely green and has been found wanting you know I'm not sure that I'm always in favour of this director of football role. It depends on the scope, right? So the Scopers' Joe Kinnear has got it, is a bit close to the manager and it's causing problems. Uh, The Scopers' Franco Baldini has got it, which is simply to work his contacts in the market and put together deals uh, and identify players and then go and get the right contract in place that makes a lot of sense you know and United are missing that skills whether they're missing the role we'll see definitely missing the skills
1: yeah absolutely we've had numerous twitter questions on this subject my favorite of which from Bex at a place to hide saying what do you think Edward was actually doing instead of signing players I go with a swivel chair Wee. I think that's it. I think he was sitting there spinning around, just loving his new big chair in David Gill's old office. Great story doing
0: the rounds. Again, no idea if it's true. Uh, Edward Wood was uh, over at Everton trying to conclude the Fellaini deal late into the night, uh, and Everton made him sit in reception for an hour.
1: That's like that episode of the West Wing where Bartlett goes to Congress and they make him sit outside, isn't it? Except that was a triumphant bit of political manoeuvring and Edward Woods was not.
0: There you go. So... Shall we take a couple of questions and then we should probably briefly talk about some football because United did lose a very big game. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I'm gonna delay it with ridiculous questions. At Gabrielle Mobatan, very good Twitter handle, says, uh what's your favourite pizza topping?
0: I like what are those uh peppers called, those kind of sweet chili ones, Rakito peppers.
1: With with some with some meat. Fancy peppers that I've never even heard of. Cheese and mushroom. That's what I like. No meat, of course. Alright, at Hussein United says, uh, what's your favorite film?
0: Apocalypse Now, very very good one. I'm sure one of the Godfather's. Maybe maybe two. Sort official film hipster answer.
1: I quite like Roberto Rossellini's Roma Città Aperta, which is Rome Open City, bit of 1930s Italian neorealism. You know, also quite like Notting Hill.
0: It's a bit cheesy, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. But I, I like it. I, I like pr- some good feel-good stuff. But I like my very favourite films are. I, like, I really like Truffo And but but my my favourite filmmaker ever would be Woody Allen. Ah. Which is why I think it's an absolute crime that Spurs have got a fullback whose first name he doesn't have to, but he goes by the name of Danny. His surname's Rose, and he doesn't have Broadway on the back of his shirt. Seems ridiculous to me.
0: It would be funny. Not one of Woody Allen's finest, though. I've got to say, you know.
1: Oh, it's a great film.
0: I'm going with Manhattan and Annie Hall. I know that's a, the the two you're supposed to pick, but yeah.
1: No, that is a perfectly reasonable shout, but I think Broadway Danny Rose is my favourite of the Mia Farrow, Woody Allen films. That's, uh, many people, of course, would choose Hannah and her sisters there, but... At Red Devil 1295 asks, does Moyes chew gum? This is an important question that we need to look further into. Don't think he does, but he does stare a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. At Jack K Holt says, when our ine- inevitable autobiographies are released, Ed, what are they going to be called? Also, what would Bebe's be called?
0: Down and out in London Bridge. Down and out in Lisbon.
1: Down and out when the taxman comes around Carrington. I don't know what Bebe's would be called. I think it would be called on loan to some club you've never heard of in Portugal. Mine would be called I really shouldn't have spent a lot less time talking about football. That's what my autobiography will eventually be called.
0: I'm just going to go with a blank title. Words should speak for themselves.
1: Untitled. The Edward Barker story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like it. At Typical City who keeps asking mean questions every week. This time goes with the secretly mean question that he knows is mean, really, but is disguised as a not mean question. What score out of 10 would you give United's summer transfer window? 10.
0: 10. It was fantastic, mate.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. At White Pele 10 asks, she's got two, she's got a choice now on Saturdays. Should she stay in and watch her number one Belgium, Poirot, or go to the South Stand and watch her number two Belgian, Marouin Fellaini in action? You go for the number two. <laughs> you do. And then, you you know, you use Sky Plus, the old Poirot. I wonder if Fellaini's ever watched Poirot. He must have done, right?
0: Oh, Belgians do. It's part of the culture, isn't it? Fact. As well as eating waffles and drinking beer.
1: Absolutely. And reading Tintin. These are the things we know about Belgium. It's time to talk about the Liverpool game. That was an unedifying spectacle, wasn't it?
0: It was utter gash. Really, really poor from United. Of course, there have been many ruses from United this summer. Were there any bigger ruses than David Moyes' interview afterwards when he said, Now I know why we're champions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, mate. All right, mate. It was was pretty terrible from United, you know. Picked up in the second half. uh, Definitely couldn't have got any worse, could it? but once again outbattled in midfield and you know you make fun of Lucas all you want but he's done Michael Carrick over like a kipper time and time again.
1: Uh, yeah Carrick with a woeful performance in that game. I think maybe he even got Twitter man of the match. No it was, it was ever that got Twitter man of the match but, but Carrick was definitely one of the three nominees chosen by Gary Pallister and someone else and that just looks like mental illness to suggest that uh, uh, the kind of game that makes Carrick haters hate Carrick. I mean, those people are crazy too, but you know, it, it's that type of performance, isn't it?
0: Right, well, it's totally passive. He just wants too much time on the ball, and he, he wasn't given it. And you know, they, Liverpool have found him out, and they keep doing it, and, and Carrick hasn't been able to adjust. And and having Carrick uh, cleverly in there doesn't help him. Cleverly is just. Way too safe in possession, not able to help United move forward in the way they needed to. Of course, um, another thing that happened to United, a lot of long balls, you know, and Rio was knocking long balls forward quite a lot because they're really static through midfield and there just weren't enough options, you know. It was just generally all-around not a good game.
1: And, and you know, we talked about it last week, but once again, Ferdinand and Vidic sit really deep. Carrick and cleverly gets sucked really deep. Loads and loads of room between Carrick and Cleverley and the the forward players. Valencia came on at right back when Phil Jones got injured and got forward a lot. I was really confused for a second because it looked like he was playing as a a winger and not doing a particularly good job of it. People got very, very excited when Nani came on for Ashley Young, which... uh, it was like, you've all seen Nanny, right? You know what's probably most likely to happen now. Uh, Ashley Young getting in the starting lineup. Shinji Kagawa not getting a look-in again. I mean, really, really disappointing performance. Loads of disappointing decisions in terms of the, the selection and the substitutions. No, not, not, good. not a good look for David Moyes that game. And then to come out mm. afterwards. I mean, to be fair, after we got beat 4-1, Fergie said we were the better side as well. So, you know, that's. He's pulling a, a full Ferguson in his post-match interview there.
0: Yeah, Ferguson had the credibility to do that. He's, he's got you know thirteen titles behind him. <laughs> yes, David Moyes does not. He no one takes him seriously when he says that. Uh, Ashley Young just unbelievably poor. Just unbelievably poor. Yeah, so disappointing that uh, it's just that bad again from him. And and Kagawa can't get anywhere near the team. Doesn't look good for him, does it? And you, you just hope that once he gets a bit of fitness and gets rid of this injury, there are rumours going around now that he's got an injury and that he gets a gets a looking, you know, I think there are tactical reasons why he's not going to be used in the, the way that he would like to be. But at the moment, can't even get on the bench and Moyes said straight up that he picked Nani ahead, ahead of Kagawa for the bench. Just doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Especially since Bootner got on the bench.
1: Lots have seen lots of people suggesting that the signing of Fellaini is good news for Kagawa because having the the bolstered strength in the centre of midfield will give him more opportunity to play slightly lighter weight forward players. Hope that one turns out to be true. We've had a belter of an email from Flatcat Sam. (laughs) People who won't brook criticism, uh, look away now. This is properly grumpy stuff here it's called Moyes the project so it begins from Ferguson's red and white army to David Moyes mediocrity a slow painful decline instead of quality or potential bring in the ordinary the unexceptional the coaching staff is all sorted sorted. Moyes round woods proven mediocrity did well with limited resources no not a team you'd want to watch week in week out bring in Fellaini and keep young oh dear so sod off David Moyes you play like Sexton's boys we'll be bored 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 I pray they admit the mistake, get rid by Christmas, bring in Ole, bring in some flair. Hugs from Flat Cat Sam, watching United since the 60s, old, grumpy and getting grumpier. Ouch. (laughs) I don't necessarily agree with all of that, but I thought it was a beautifully, beautifully misanthropic email.
0: So United grump from now on will be called.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to send a kind of really poetic and moving tribute to David Moyes and his potential future at United to redress the balance, please do so.
0: Look, I hope he's successful. I, I have a very clear idea of how he's going to play his teams because, you know, we have 10 years of it. We'll see. Maybe he'll adapt. Maybe suddenly Maran Fellaini will turn into the next Ces Fabrias. <laughs> oh. Maybe he won't. You know, I think, I think the dogs of war are, uh, are what we're going to be this year. And, and you know, it, in many ways that's not so bad because we've lacked a bit of fight. Certainly lacked a bit of fight against Liverpool on Sunday. in in games like that uh, it's going to be useful to have the the big unit in there but um, you know can't get past the fact that it's been an awfully awfully embarrassing summer uh, and you know kind of rounded off by uh, that terrible day on Monday uh, which just capped off a terrible weekend didn't it with the loss to Liverpool anyway could it get any worse yes it could because it's international week so we get to watch England twice
1: Yeah, absolutely. Boo! It's International Week. No cast next week, listeners, because we can't bring ourselves to spend uh, an hour talking about United's players uh, and their international trips. But yeah, uh, United's squad jetting off all around the world, including the new boy, Fellaini, going to meet up with Belgium. Uh, A lot of United's England contingent out, of course. Phil Jones is injured as karmic retribution for destroying the face of Wayne Rooney.
0: Yes, not the first time Rooney's had gash on his face.
1: Oh, dear. I think that joke is below you, or at least I would if I didn't know you so well. Horrible, though. Have you seen the pictures? Yeah, I have. Uh, One of the problems with having Twitter clients instead of using the the web interface is that it shows you a little thumbnail of the picture, so I couldn't avoid it. Horrible. Poor lad.
0: Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Brownie points to Phil Jones. Well done, mate.
1: Nice one, Jonesy. (laughs) My friend Joe saying that Fellaini's only come to United because he doesn't want to ever have to play against Phil Jones again, Uh, but now he's slightly concerned about the training.
0: That was friendly fire, or maybe not quite so friendly.
1: Anyway. Talking of not-so-friendly fire, sorry to interrupt, uh, Robin Van Persie, there's a story in the Daily Star citing pals and a friend of Robin Van Persie saying that he's not happy with David Moyes. Uh, I suspect that this is complete nonsense fabricated by a newspaper that's been frustrated by 25 years of threats from Sir Alex Ferguson. We're going to see a lot of that sort of thing over the year ahead, I think.
0: Well, yes, the Daily Star last year caught out fabricating an entire journalist publishing stories from someone who didn't exist. So uh, let's take that one with a pinch of salt. Uh, final interesting story of the week, uh, I suppose. I'd forgotten about this one until a friend reminded me. Uh, and Fellaini had an affair with Wayne Rooney's nasty, nasty rotter of a cousin a few years ago, Natalie Rooney. Wonder whether there'll be a little bit of tension on the training ground with that one.
1: Oh, dear. It's all so messy, isn't it? Described Fellaini as massive.
0: Uh, and I think we know what that means, folks. The longest in the shower... Oh, yes.
1: Yes, he does have quite big hair. So, the international break, I can't think of anything useful or interesting to say about it, really. um, Sort of the idea of actual football. It's a real shame that there's an international break because I would like to see Fellaini in the United shirt and, uh, against Crystal Palace. Well, he will be playing for the Red Devils this weekend. <laughs> he will, of course. The Twitter bio of Great Confusion, Marin Fellaini, He had Everton and Belgium and Red Devils in his Twitter bio for a long time and had to add brackets, nickname of Belgium international team (laughs) because of all the speculation linking with us. But now we can just delete all that and just have Red Devils in there.
0: Nothing interesting in the international break, so we're going to miss next week. Yeah, Uh, We always take a week off. Normally it'd be this week, but hey, we flipped it around so we can have a moan for an hour and a bit about the transfer window. And we'll be back after the Crystal Palace game. So very briefly on Crystal Palace, you'd expect United to win, wouldn't you? Crystal Palace, who managed to sign not one player like United, not two players if you want to include a youth player, not three if you want to include the other youth player, but 15 players this transfer window.
1: Yeah, they've been busy uh, in, in action. I'm not sure their 15 signings add up to one Fellaini in quality levels, but, you know, they've definitely strengthened. And, I, you know, I, I'm one of those people who enjoys the, the comedic stylings of Ian Holloway. I quite liked his touchline jig in front of Paolo Di Canio, who's quite amusing, given Di Canio's touchline antics. Uh, They got their first win. Uh, Of course, you would expect United to have too much of them. And I I hope that they're a cure for the summertime blues, that that game after the disastrous transfer window. And I'm going to predict, what, I don't know, 3-0 win to us?
0: Yeah, all right. I think I I, I may have made a prediction or a a bet with a colleague of mine on this one. So I'm going to go 3-1 United. So, I guess that's it from us this week. We hope we haven't depressed you too much.
1: be fine we'll be fine United will be fine this season we might not win the league but you can't win the league every year and I think ultimately lessons will be learned and in the end it'll be all right but think that any kind of analysis of the summer transfer window that doesn't conclude that United have conducted themselves disastrously is just bizarre you know so we're going to talk about it we're going to have to we're going to have to lay our cards on the table about how we feel about it
0: very good and so we will see you in a fortnight's time
1: have a lovely two weeks